Welcome to episode three of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show, a show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games. I'm Cole, aka Ice Cold Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at Ice Cold Brew. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. And joining me today is my co-host. Hi, I'm Molly. You can follow me at Mina underscore Lenahan on Twitter. And my pronouns are he, him. And today, we are talking about Fathom by Brendan McLeod and Matthew Guzdial. But first, let's talk about our inspirations. What have been, what's been inspiring you lately, Marley? What have you been up to? What's been going on? Well, to continue the theme of, of movie nights, which I've been doing a lot of, which are fun, they're really fun. I do recommend doing movie nights. You see a lot of weird things. It's fun hanging out with friends. I recommend it. So that's what's been inspiring me lately. No, uh, um, uh, I've been watching The Truman Show, which is a 1998 film. Jim Carrey plays a character. Uh, this character is is Truman, the main character on a billion-dollar television show that records him from the moment he's born to the moment he dies. And as he's walking around living his life, perhaps unaware of the strange things that are happening he realizes that all is not as it should be. Lights fall from the sky. People keep telling him, you're on a TV show. He wonders that maybe the life he lives isn't what it seems to be. And he he attempts to escape. Um, it, is, it is a film I haven't seen since since I was a little, little child. Uh, it's a very strange film to see as a child. Um, but it's a Jim Carrey film, so that was all the rage back then. Um, and yeah, it's 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 really cool. It it sort of um it holds up. Um and I I really enjoyed it. I was like I feel like some films don't age particularly well and that one is just good. It's really interesting and it's also really interesting watching that and then seeing things like uh Big Brother turning up and uh Twitch turning up and just seeing how it sort of changed from being like a a big studio funds this thing to a corporation says you can become famous if you record yourself and present yourself to an audience like it is with Twitch. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of interesting because like the people on it don't make much money out of it. The like people who work like full time very rarely make more than minimum wage on like things like Twitch, which I say is a Twitch streamer occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. And a former YouTuber and whatnot. And now a, cu- a current podcaster. And mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of interesting how like the, the, um, personality-based nature of sort of changed over the internet and sort of like focused on this sort of thing yeah and we all know it we all know we're on the truman show we all want to be on the truman show and that kind of thing yeah it's more fucked up that you think Mm. about it and like so one thing that the truman show is making me think about is yeah um one i need to see it again two there is actually a Twitch streamer who basically did something like this to an extent. His name is uh, German985. He is a very popular Twitch streamer. And basically what he did was arrange a set for his viewers and audience where they got to vote on what he got to do as if he were a sim. He talked perfectly English the entire time, but he reacted to everything. <laughs> he would yell at the viewers to, hey, please let me go to bed and would pass out on the floor. 
there were dream sequences. You could buy him stuff. You got to pick what he wore for every episode. And it was broken down to, I think, four episode arcs. And the mm-hmm. every episode, the place would get bigger. And what? I, yeah, it would. You start off in the first two rooms in the tutorial, you know, episode zero, just to kind of show off. Hey, this is how you could do stuff. This is what happens. Here's some ideas. And then it gets a little bit bigger and then it gets bigger again and it gets bigger again. Uh, it had like an entire story behind that. And you find out that even though everyone was actively voting, there was a lot of thought and narrative design put behind it in the behind the scenes portion that you can see on YouTube over at German 985's YouTube channel. Yeah, and, the German stream archive. I'm mm-hmm. just looking at it now. Yeah, <clears throat> it, 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 there's a lot of talk about like, what options do we think the viewers will like? What should we do in front of them? Oh, if we put if we put this as a obstacle, the viewers are all going to choose this option overwhelmingly. So we need to be prepared mm. for that. Or they're going to have me do this. Or this is going to happen. Or how are we ending this episode? And yeah. yes, everyone got to choose what happens. But the one, Jerma knows his viewers well enough to call out when like what kind of damage they want done to him and will play into that and lean into it because he wants to entertain them kind of uh in an exact opposite vein of like Truman where like he doesn't know what the viewers want he just does what he does and the viewers want that um yeah. and then you know there's the other part of just how fascinating it was for him to get that money cuz he definitely got a good deal of sponsorships you can see them pop up coinbase being the major one from what i could tell and just the way they what did is, the sets build up is coinbase a cryptocurrency i think coinbase is a crypto like selling site yeah. sadly but also money is money and i get it i don't like yeah. it fuck crypto hey full hard stance real quick uh fuck you if you enjoy uh building up crypto if you take people's art for nfts fuck you personally yes. from me ice cold broom and me. I agree and, with that one. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time going through searching for people on my on my Twitter following. Oh, like who I follow on Twitter. Just be like, do you have NFT in your in the little thing? All right. Bye. Yep. You had good art, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Crypto sucks. Crypto sucks. Speaking of dystopian things, dystopian Louisiana, a.k.a. Norco. I finally got to dig into my backlog games and games that people recommended to me and uh, that I've been reading about. I got to try out uh, uh, Geography of Robots. There we go. Geography of Robots game Norco. Norco is a point-and-click mystery adventure with a lot of dark undertones, very dystopic messages, uh, really great character designs and looks, Mm. especially for pixel art. It is something I really enjoyed. You can actually pick this game up from ish.io, Steam, Epic Games. I believe it's on Xbox Game Pass, which yes. I still... It, game Pass is such a good deal, um, said me but, and every other person yeah. in the video game world. But I Microsoft. don't know. I don't like where it's going. Mm-hmm. But yes, continue, continue. Um, I've gotten to have a lot of fun with this. It, I... Um, Got to meet a great and terrible detective, uh, got to launch mm-hmm. a cat into space, and I had a staring contest with a stuffed monkey. Yes. Yeah. It. God. To explain what Norco is, 
as a story. Uh, there is a huge content warning I'm going to give out for uh, things involving cancer, drug use, suicide, gaslighting, uh, acts of violence, um, uh, corporations hedging people out uh, because they can. That's actually a big story point in this game. I feel like gerrymandering and slavery comes up because it's it's basically about like how uh, Louisiana changes from like it changes like a slave uh, slave society to like one that like forces people into like working there. Like there's like literally the the main oil company is based on a plantation. Yeah, yeah, is... yeah. Company towns, just similar to yes. how like mining towns used to be back in the day. Um, yeah. If you want some good examples of storytelling from that, go check out Old Gods of Appalachia. I'm going to make sure I write mm -hmm. that down so I can link you the show and the notes for later. Yes. It's it's a really cool thing. I've played it myself and um uh the it's 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 interesting because like as opposed to like the the Truman or the German thing, I guess, where where a lot of the connection comes from like like the audience sort of suggesting things you were playing it and i was like specifically like you were asking for like what you should do with a specific character or like how you should do it and i was just like i will not say anything i cannot say anything because like this is this is a story like kentucky root a video game like kentucky root zero where you're just like uh um you are picking what kind of story you'd like to tell this isn't like a thing with optimal endings or or things like that it is a game where you kind of like you tell your own story and see what's the most interesting mm -hmm. um with some exceptions i i will say that kind of brings up the point that like the reason why i checked out this game was because i got the recommendation on it because i liked the idea ideas behind disco elysium as well mm. and that's another good example of the game this is more like 2d flat plane you are pointing and clicking around and you get to dig around and find lore. The whole conversation, um, there is a book that describes the terminology, but it's basically uh, polluting the area around a uh, living community in order to force them out at a cheaper cost. Yes. And that's like within the first few minutes of the game, you can find that book and you'll go, oh, this is talking about Norco. Mm. It Which is, is fascinating. I... I it is a real place. It is like, I think it's called uh, Geography of Robots, the company that made it, because they originally started it as a, uh, what's it called? Like a, I want to say vocal history. That's probably not the name for it, where they just went around like interviewing people about, you know, their lives throughout, like in that area. And there's a word for it and I don't know it. It's a shame. But they were just like doing a like a uh, like a record of like what the history of this place was and like how it changed and like what has been happening with the comp company and like stories about like people like losing things. Mm -hmm. And it's like a very like they basically like spent a lot of time doing this and they originally like made it into a um I think it was like a like a a, a Metroidvania or something where you played as the robot he just jumped around like fighting corporation blowing stuff up um and then they changed it because they're like this kind of this is fun but this isn't quite the story you want to tell mm -hmm. and so they changed it into like what norco is which is a very funny point and click adventure game um with some amazing stuff in it i really like one of the characters we always come back to is uh 
the detective. Detective LeBlanc. Detective LeBlanc. Yeah, Detective LeBlanc. Um, Brett LeBlanc, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he is incredible. Um, I absolutely adore that guy. Absolute favorite line of the game so far since I've met him. And I'm not going to say it because I want yes. anyone who listens to the show, I want you to pick up this game, try it out, get to yes. LeBlanc. And if you get him to say the quote oh, I am thinking of, one, at me on Twitter and be like, you were fucking right. Or, God damn it, Cole, this yeah. is an awful line. Why would you yeah. Why would you recommend this game based off just it, this line? And I'm like, it's not just it's that. Like, it, you know, it, it kind of fills in. It makes the characters more personable. It makes them more interesting to me. It's the name of your stream, isn't it? Isn't that like the subtitle of your 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 next Norco stream? You, I've like I think a little so. bit of a spoiler. Yeah, a little bit of a spoiler. If you, uh, I am getting so much thunder right now. I Jesus. currently have a storm outside, so <laughs> I'm going to try not to talk over it. Okay, so this way we can, like, I can't hear it. Yeah. It's Discord's getting rid of it, but maybe uh, it's on your Audacity record. is hearing it. Okay. It was here. It was like thundering enough to where my windows were rattling. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> I will still be playing that game for a while. I think Wednesday I might come back to it with Holly in the passenger seat to witness this with us. Mm-hmm. Um, she just came back from California. It's been great. Uh, but it, the line just hit me to the floor where I was like, wow, what a piece of shit. I hate this guy. God, fuck him. Never mind. I love him. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I want to kick his ass, but in like a delightful way. <laughs> It's like he he is like a piece of is sh- a piece of shit. He it's is like uh, introduces himself by like forcing like having like he's the detective, so he knows all of it. He's like the the resident private eye or something. Uh, but he's just like, hey, hey, buy me a drink, buy me a sandwich, buy me this, buy me that. And just like the more he talks, the more of a crap <laughs> shitbag he ends up being. Yeah. But like as the game on, and you haven't got to this part, but he becomes incredibly helpful. And really cool. And uh, the one bit of advice that I gave, which is in contrary to my thing of just telling your own story, is that you should pester him. There's like one thing you should pester him about. Um, but also you should pester a lot of people in this game. Oh, like I'm going to. Pestering people is fun. Like you mentioned an exploding cat or like cat that launched into space. That was a key. You wouldn't have found that if you didn't pester that cat, which is both good and bad. But that's kind of the story. Um, and yeah. I really, I really like that game, and I'm really keen to see, yeah. see it go on. Uh, there is also another content warning thing. There is definitely parts mm. of body horror. Yeah, yeah. Geography of Robots does a really interesting thing with their pixel art, where like you will meet people, and they will all, they are all very unique and different. Even the character you're playing as isn't really described that well. They are described as like a stick person face. Mm. And what gets more and more interesting is, like, all these different people you meet. And every now and then you'll find uh, – you'll meet folks that just, like, they are purposely put into a bad light to make them look more weird and fucked up. They're just people. Yeah. And they're just, like, an abstract – they're just, like, a person just being there. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I've never liked the art style. It's one of these things that kind of grows me out. Like you mentioned Disco Elysium and you mentioned this game. I'm like, when I initially saw Norco, I was like, I don't like this. It's really, it's it's kind of gross and sort of ugh. And it was really the the writing and the gameplay and like the really cool sci-fi ideas that they just kind of throw in there. Yeah. Um, 
like at one point there is a uh craigslist cult and i'm just like that is a sick idea that is a really cool thing where like people are just like told to go to a place from a posting like go steal a hard drive and bring it to somewhere else and you will get uh cryptocurrency i believe mm-hmm. um it's quack coin quack coin for yeah. for super duck the <laughs> the app they work for um so yeah i i yes speaking of doing weird things for cults uh we're also going to talk a little bit about fathom which is a surreal horror game uh based in a city hellscape is the yes description if i remember correctly yes we we talked about this last week it was one of the things that came up in the well last episode i keep saying last week but it's literally a fortnightly show yeah uh uh it is it is uh yes it is a, a game we talked about briefly where we just said like oh we'd like to go through it but it's like it's like 300 pages long and then we kind of was just like let's do a book report on something and like see where we go with it and um i sat down and read all of it which is which was a lot, but it was really it's kind of interesting to go through. And I did like a big Twitter thread about it, um, which I think I'll link in the show notes. Um, yeah. And like you did a Twitter thread over it. I was reading through it and I kept reading through it. And I said, you know what? I need to run a game with this. Yeah, you did. And yeah. I was like, I was I was like interested because I was like, I was reading through it sequentially. I'm just like, I don't know how to run this game. And yeah, yeah. you did it. it. You did a good job. I will say it was meant to be a one shot it has now turned into a two shot we will be hopefully concluding it this thursday uh as a recording which will be yes i think the 30th of june for me yes and the game is fascinating to me it is currently out as version 0.21 0.21 it is not a full release yet it is still in play testing it still needs feedback it still needs a little bit of editing work and work over and mm. they are working on that. I can because version two point uh, point two one came out as I was preparing yeah. to run the game. And yeah, it came out like the day we were looking at it. And um, one of the things we'll probably talk about this game is that it's it is a three hundred page book. There's a lot of things to go through. And like one of the things that happened on the day we started playing was they added a table of contents, which yeah. was great because I had like seven tabs open to all the different bits that I thought we'd re- re- go back to. Like, what are the tags? What are the playbooks? What are the how do we do adventures and mm-hmm. stuff? And then it just has a table of contents, makes it easier. Still a bit long, but really enjoyed it. It it's a very fun game. And to explain the system, it's a mix of Forge in the Dark. So. You know, Blades and think Blades and Dark, Scum and Villainy, uh, Band of Blades, and then the Sparked by Resistance system. So Heart, uh, the City Beneath, Spire, um, uh, Ascendancy, Red West, if you've heard of that one, thank you. Yeah. It is really interesting in how they worked on this game and kind of developed it, because I think I I came in with more knowledge about Forge of the Dark than I do Heart. I've read a little bit of Heart, but I could never really get it to run it. This game made a Mm -hmm. lot more sense to me in the long run. It was easier for me to convey the rules and say, okay, if you're doing this, do this. Yeah. Um, And it's like, it's it's a fun mixture because like, I feel like the big games the last five years, I don't know when Blades of the Dark came out. What is like uh, Heart and Blaze in the Dark because like 
both games are i think like heart probably got some influence from blades it feels like because they're both like dealing with the stress of like doing things like the resistance system is based on like the ways you can like hurt yourself like financially mentally physically Mm -hmm. uh luck wise i guess and like weird things that happen to you as you encounter the world whereas blades in the dark is just like if you want to do cool like heist stuff you get stressed out and that can give you you know trauma or quirks or all these other things yeah um and you can use them to like get advantages in some way um and so it's sort of interesting seeing those those both brought together because they're both really good systems they're both really interesting and they Um, both have their faults as well too yes absolutely because like i said they have traumas and so it's just like one of the things about like blaze in the dark is it kind of has a sanity system that's kind of what the 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 stress system is Mm -hmm. which i do like better than like the lovecraft stuff but it's uh it is a similar kind of thing um i think fathom sort of avoids it in some ways like it has a as a uh an equivalent to like mental strain but it's very broad it doesn't have specific like this is the mental illness or something yeah uh, section like you're like oh you forget who you are and i'm i don't like that we can go more into that with the fallout system and how that works in Mm -hmm. which it's very similar to heart but um one thing about late like the blades forge in the dark system as well it's a lot of times you take trauma and you're it it counts as like a permanent energy and you you know it's Mm. meant to remind you that like your character's time is finite there is a hack of the game where you can actually take a project to heal that scar you can heal that trauma yes and i like that that's interesting but all in all like games like heart spire uh and blades have this kind of intrinsic formula underneath of like burn your characters out take hot high level in heart and spire you take a high level move and that will be the end of your character if you use that zenith move and blades in the dark you can get a like one last hurrah before you take a trauma or before you take your last trauma you know or a level four yeah and it's also the the inbuilt thing with with blades in the dark is if you get four traumas or three i don't even remember the number four then you're like you can't function anymore and it's just like, all right, that's that's how people work in this in this setting. That like, if you have four traumas, you don't function as a person. And it's just like, nah, I don't think that's true. Yeah. Um, it it <laughs> it's more of your character has to retire from the life that they're in, or they go to prison, or they do die. If they take a level four harm, they do die. But yeah, like, they it, could retire, which I don't mind. But yeah, yeah, retiring is fine. Whereas heart and spire are more harsh, in my opinion, because like you take a zenith move, so. Vermissian Knight, for example, in uh, Heart, if you take a Zenith move from that, I believe you summon a train which will take out whatever <laughs> enemy you deign to be in the way, but will also take you out with it. Yeah. Or you can it come back as funny. a ghost in another Zenith move and haunt your party forever. Yeah. You do not have control over that character. That's just a GM gets to use your character to remind your party they fucked up. Yeah. I, I sorry, I I kind of laughed it, it like instinctively because like that yeah one of the one of the terrible deaths you can have is you get hit by a train that you sort of summon and that's it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, the game has a sense of humor, but it's also like yeah, all those moves typically end with you like dying or like having some terrible end, which is not really 
a thing that I've gone for, like whenever I've approached like resistance systems and like trying to do hacks or something, I'm always just like, can we just make it nice? Can we make like like fun like consequences that are just like, oh, something like soft happens and it doesn't end with you dying? Yeah, and I'm still working on it. Uh, but this game seems to have like a different approach to that. It it really does. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's talk about. So the concept of this game is it is surreal fantasy and urban hellscape. You live mm-hmm. in a place called the city. The city is very abstract. It is large and it is always growing and it is full of a lot of people. And then there are different levels called if you are looking at the city and everything looks just normal, you are in what's called mm-hmm. the real. And when yes. things start getting a little bit more abstract, a little bit more oil paint or break down into basic concepts a la persona 5 uh you are in levels of the unreal called the fathom there's like a six fathom theory they break down the very beginning of the book and then what makes it funny to me is you go to the gm section and they tell you the fathom six fathom theory is a crock of shit yeah but so that's the thing it is a crock of shit, but mechanically it does have an impact on the world. So I'm like, it isn't a crock of shit exactly, because the further down, like, the, the me- mechanic is that the further down you go with the Fathoms, the more difficult it becomes. Like, it's like a, a game where you get, like, a bunch of dice and you roll them to do cool things. And if you're, like, on a, if you're on, like, Fathom 1, which is where, like, urban legends and ghosts start to exist, mm-hmm. then you take negative one dice for that. This is the thing. You take negative one dice to your action roll, but if you succeed, the damage you do, you get to roll two of whatever damage dice you roll and take the highest one. You add a tag called heavy, which I thought was exactly. really interesting. And it's 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 so interesting because like the game does say that it's a crock of shit, but that does have a mechanical implication, which I think is really interesting because like I read this whole thing and I was like thinking about like how ideas work and like what the unreal was if it was the internet if it's culture if it's art and if it's like because like my thing is like the higher up you go in the fathoms the more concrete it is the more simplified it is Mm -hmm. because at the lowest level level zero lowest specified level uh there are people and people are very complicated and very strange and uh Everything can be explained away because there's a rational explanation. But the higher you go out, the fewer rational explanations there are. And if you go up to Fathom 4, which is the highest one you can go to before things get strange, Mm -hmm. then uh, it all becomes like this. All right, this is exactly what it is. The the priest is a tower of light. The... um, What's another thing? There is... uh, I think a storm becomes a monster... And it's all like if like the the character I played, which we'll get into, uh, the Exorcist had an ability where you could look in and you could see down a certain number of levels to get you some information. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's interesting because it really like simplified things, um, and made it sort of uh, like it, it took away the mystery. Like the game is the goal of the game is to go deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought that it was really interesting because like the character I played also reshaped the world in some ways mm-hmm. and like could like redefine like what a what a monster was or what its ability is i can make it like concrete rather than abstract which is a mechanical thing where it means i can hit it with prob- with weapons properly 
Probably. And one of the things I think with the Fathom system is that because it exists and because it's a widely accepted thing in the fiction, despite being bullshit, it does have an impact. And so if you come up with a way of defining what Fathoms are, it does have a mechanical impact in the world. And so that's why I'm like, I really like this game because it says like, you can make up shit and it will have an impact. Even if it's widely accepted to be false, it will like impact the way the world mechanically works. Mm-hmm. And yes. Yeah. And that kind of goes into the GM principle of just like, you know, solve the small mysteries, uh, keep the big mysteries where you kind of, yes. it, it straight up tells you don't have an answer to everything figure it out as you go let the players inform your answers in a similar way of like draw maps leave blanks but this is a little bit in my opinion a bit bigger because i Mm. if we did a campaign of this i don't know where it would end it would depend on what the party is interested in you know yeah Um, which which sort of brings to the to the next thing which is like how is it to gm like how is it to, to to go through the book and just be like this is the kind of story we did because we sat down and did this and we like made our characters, made our setting. And then you had five minutes in which you came up with the story. Yeah. And I'm curious what that's like with this game. In all honesty, I kind of approached it like I would have forged in the dark game, but mm-hmm. I would still prep a bit more and forged. This felt a little bit easier because I had at the back of the book, there is a monster manual and it breaks it down mm-hmm. by section of like here, Here's some touchstones. You have Ghost, Shades, you have a Slide, you have Gyrus, you have G- or Gyrus, depending on how you say it. You have Crooks, Sellers, uh, you have Tempest, all these different kind of things broken down by what domain they're in. I use that basically as like a touchstone and went, okay. And I informed myself based on a crew playbook y'all pick. There is, uh, there's the Busters, the Cogs, the gumshoes um mm-hmm. we have a few others in there uh we have the shadows and stringers uh shadows i actually have not gotten to read yet because i don't think that was in the version i was reading at the time that that came out the day we started playing yeah. um it is to sum up it is basically criminals um you like work for you're like a group who works for like a gangster mm-hmm. but because the people we were playing with picked buster as their mm-hmm. crew playbook i went great okay so they want to fight a monster what does a monster do in an abstract realm called the city they probably make it more difficult for people in a certain way what is something very you can't go into it because we haven't finished it yet yeah (laughs) but i i to get into a non-spoilery part i basically went everyone needs electricity what what would take up electricity probably something taking up lightning uh, okay, let's put this in Fathom 1. What does it look like as a cryptid? It's probably a, a person that is highly reflective, very bright, and flickers the lights a lot. And, you know, mm. use the back rooms as a touchstone or uh, SCP Foundation as a touchstone. Mm. And building out from there. And then we looked at our city map, which we will get into later, but the city that we made is fucking hilarious for a ver- variety of reasons. Yeah. And kind of figuring out what domain will this creature be in and how would it fit and why does it fit there? Um yeah, cuz like it has a it has a mechanic which is um it's it's dice based so you basically like roll like a uh I think it, what does it roll? 
two D ten, two D tens, and two D one hundreds to determine like what is the because it has a domain mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like it has like ten different domains, like wild, which is nature, beyond, which is like space and skyscrapers, common, which is like people having a barbecue. Crime, uh, wild order, commerce, commerce, doom. Oh, capital. capital. They changed it b- yeah. between between things. Um, and and so so when you make a when you make a uh, a location a district in this thing, you basically roll to see like what area it is, and then you add like fun little like like bits to it. Mm-hmm. You add like oh, it has it is it is in downtime, and uh, it is sorry, it is in downtown, and it is overgrown. And um, I actually sat down before we started like doing it because I was like reading through the book and I was like, oh, this seems like a fun way of making a setting. And I sat down to do it to like make a fun little setting. And I didn't like it. I'm Ooh. like, it was it was when we played it ourselves it was really good. But I'm just like, I I was sort of chafing against it because it was just like I was finding I was like intentionally cheating. I was like going through and being like, I don't like this tag. I'm going to switch to something else because I have a better idea than this. And it is, it is interesting. Cause it's like, it's very much like, here's a bunch of random stuff, make what you want out of it. Like you can have like a thing that has the wild domain and the capital domain. And the thing you have is highway and restricted. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't like, it's contradictory and strange. And what I wish there was, it was like a thing where you could just like, what is the narrative you want to tell? What is the overarching thing you want to like go into? Because again, I'm like approaching this as like, this is a story and this is a thing rather than like simple weirdness. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, I don't really like surreal stuff. So it's like my response is adding a story to it that I can cling on to and sort of mess with. And like, I wish it was that. But when we played it, we approached it differently. Like I initially like wrote my own like fun little like uh, uh, Disneyland mixed with the Mall of America, uh, and then you just like you sped through it. Like, you like spend so little time on that compared to what I did. Like sitting there and like agonizing over like what kind of district I went, and you just like went through each of us, and you were just like, "All right, you tell me a roll of dice, roll this sort of thing. What do you think this is?" And that was fun. We came with like a lot of really fun districts that way. I think what kind of reinforces that is again the reality of the real that is the city, in that it is not meant to make sense in any regard. Uh, I I do want to yeah. shout out one of our districts because I love it because we did we had someone roll for capital and order as a downtown highway area, and we went yeah. What are the chances of the bank? And so we kind of talked a little bit about what the name would be. And we came out with Bank Bank Utopia subscript <laughs> My Bank Bank. Yeah, that was that was very funny. That was I think that was me scouting around on like bank name generators. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking for because like this game uses AI art, mm-hmm. which again, I am conflicted about. I'm not sure how to feel about this. Uh, but. I use like AI generators to come up with names. There's like a website that says like this person doesn't exist or something where you can come up with like someone's name, the car they have, their favorite color, their Mm -hmm. social security number, a bunch of really weird things. I use that to come up with a lot of the names that we like 
use that as like an NPC name generator. And I use like business name generator to come up with the business names. And so I just typed in, I can't think of, I couldn't think of any bloody uh, like tags for bank. So I just put bank bank and pressed enter. And it just came with a bunch of names, <laughs> which is like the bank bank or like bank bank utopia. Bank, we just kind of work with that. It, and it's, uh, we can buy that website. It's really funny. But yeah, going back into the running the game itself, it, there are definitely parts where it does get a little bit confusing. So you have, mm. this is something I kind of wanted to have more of uh, to make it more clear. There are two sections of the book. One is playing the game. The other is running the game. Yes. Tell me which section do you think will teach you how to GM? I mean, all of it. <sighs> yeah. It's you have to read all of it, and it's a lot. Like I sat down and read the whole thing. It was very confusing going from the beginning to the end because I'm just like, I wish I knew what a what an anchor was, which is like your friend who like helps you out. I wish I knew how to run this game, and yeah. it's yeah. A lot of the the GMing I did was kind of flying by the seat of my pants, and yeah. I think you'll you'd have noticed this, but I was asking everyone else like, "Hey, what are you doing this? What does this look like? What does that look like?" And that's yeah. me killing for time as I try to find a page that tells me what I need to do next. Yes, because this game is a, is is uh, is still in development. Like like we said, it's it's zero point two one that edition. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of stuff. It doesn't have uh, playbooks. It doesn't. It like only recently got like the, the table of contents, and it doesn't have a cheat sheet, which is a lifesaver because mm. like Blaze in the Dark, like. I have played so many games with never reading the books and just going by the play sheet. When I like sit down to write like games, I just write the cheat sheet and that's the game. Um, and like jumping through this game was was very annoying, particularly because it's three hundred pages long and very complicated with how it deals with certain things. Yeah, um, um, like a big part of it was like uh, designing the job for y'all. I had to. I went to the page for playing the game and I just looked mm. at the investigation phrase went, okay, we are currently in free play. I'm going to let them kind of talk. And now I need to introduce the character. This is their client. The client is saying, this is what's happening. This is the target. And then there's like a third part about the opposition. I'm like, I'm just going to make it at the corporate place of corporate, mm. our fantasy, uh, Giznep, which is how I say the mouse, the mouse studio. Yeah. My partner it's... and I both say it that way. It's great. Yeah. But... I'm not afraid. Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a coward but yeah. um it 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 gave me time to i basically looked at that and went this is something that makes sense to me because it's very much like the gathering information phase for a blades in the dark job score and so i played mm. it off like that asking everyone what they wanted to do how do you want to approach this and we got different highlights you know um we had one of our players uh they played a Ben's character and were able to enchant mm. one of the NPCs to get information and get easier yeah, access. Yeah, what was the name? Uh, they had a really cool name. Kansas Gang. Kansas Gang. Kansas we Gang, part of the janitor union. <laughs> oh, where all the Kansas janitors gang. know each other. All yeah. of them. It was one of these things that, like, that wasn't uh, a randomly generated thing, and it was just, like, very fun to have Kansas Gang, because <laughs> it's just, like, that's a, that's a friends at the table type name, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, I want to interact with this person, they're mm -hmm. my best friend, and became mechanically our best friend. God, yeah. Um, it, That was great. It was, 
it was really fun to see y'all kind of interact and try to keep up with that in a sense. Uh, we had, mm. as part of the gathering information, so a big thing is with the anchors, they are your secondary character who you use. At, the game tells you is put them in danger, make them a resource, strain your yes. relationship with them. I will say it's kind of fucked up. But it is, it is, it is also, it's, it's kind of interesting how it foregrounds that, like, uh, Heart also has this, like, same mechanic, but it very much, like, says, interact with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's also a similar thing to, uh, this, this game is very similar to a game called Urban Shadows in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like it takes a lot of inspiration and that game similarly a lot about, like, who has which favor and, like, what do you owe someone else? And when I played Urban Shadows, I've never wanted to like sit down and like like interact with a person in that way. But this game, like like there are ways of like relieving stress, like when you build up, you know, your form stress by taking harm, or when you build up uh what's the other stresses? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skim through this three hundred page book to find the name of these things. Two seconds. <laughs> um but like, uh, here I got him. I got him. I think, uh, stress like form, nerve, debt, yep. luck, and weird, and uh, it, it forefronts like interacting with your anchors in order to relieve them. Like you hang out with them, and they take care of things. You can also like you can also go to like professionals to deal with like whatever thing. Like if you have a debt, they can go out and like get some money for you or like try and get rid of things and they solve it for you in the background. But the game like forefronts working with your anchor to deal stress to them to make fun uh, interactions happen between you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think if I had a better understanding of the game, I would have loved to put these anchors at the forefront a bit more and like kind of complicate the scenarios with them. But yeah, as of now, because I've just... You know, I've gotten to play only half of a game, half of a uh, yes. one shot, essentially. I They're going to be taking a backseat and we'll just pop up when needed. Uh, maybe, who knows, maybe someone will pop up during the score, depending on how, during the job, depending, depending on how things go. I think, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting, but it's also like uh, it is it is the similar mechanic to what is in Blades of the Dark. Like this is what I love about this is it's taking like pre existing mechanics and kind of like messing with them mm-hmm. because there is like the, when you make a character, which we should go to the playbook soon. Yeah. But like when we make a character, you have two questions to ask. Like one is uh, like the, they vary for each playbook, but I know like for mine it was like what was the the enemy you didn't stop? What is the 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 unreal creature that got away? And mm-hmm. the other question is, what happened to a friend of yours? Like, wh- how did you lose a friend of yours to the Unreal? And what it's doing there is it's creating both an ally, like a, an ally in the Blaze of the Dark sense, and a rival in the Blaze of the Dark sense, where it's just like, you have things to throw at them. And you have things to like, you know, say like, this is there. And the the way that I've done it when I've done Blaze in the Dark is like, they can deal with their, their anchors. They can like introduce them and get help from them whenever they want. Which happened? Like we had um, an expert who got help from their their bookworm. Um, bookworm. I was going to say, the yeah, librarian. Yeah, the anchor of bookworm, um, who yeah. specialized in like basically uh, deep diving into crypt like cryptids and uh, urban lore stuff like that. Yeah, and and like. 
it's so the way i usually play it is like players can invoke them whenever they want um and they get special abilities in this game which is really fun Mm -hmm. uh but you can also just throw in a monster whenever you want Mm -hmm. and just like kind of like complicate it that way and sometimes you don't need to like this isn't a game where you advance when you deal with these particular threats uh you have like key things you're trying to do like you know destroy something rather than understand it was mine and uh that's how you sort of advance and um yeah so i would say like you can involve like anchors in some ways but also just feel free to just throw in the monsters because that's like that's what we want them for we want to have like horrible things happen and try to deal with it mm-hmm. um yeah and you know deal with it but also make it messier kind of leave mm. lasting marks and interpret that what that means in the real when you do something in the unreal um yeah, yeah it the playbooks themselves are very interesting. They are very yes, they're very different. I think uh, the one that calls out to me the most right now is probably the bends, but that's mostly because a lot of the moves are based off other game styles, and yes. the major ones are actually just straight up spells from a uh, from Dungeons and D&D. Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah, because because like the, the bends as a character is like someone who shape changes mm-hmm. and this sort of thing. And I like when I saw that, I'm like, everyone's gonna pick this one. Yeah, this is the coolest one where like like you could be every other class technically because you can like take a new domain. Like you know, people have like things like you know, capital domain. And you get like a different persona to be this character, or you can be the fringe domain which in our case like our our bends became a janitor (laughs) from the janitor's union Mm -hmm. and um it's it seems like a really cool playbook in that way and again yeah it throws like DD spells in a really efficient form and it has moves like forged in the dark and uh belonging outside belonging which like it's it kind of like interweaves other game systems mechanics into this one playbook and i'm just like that's so cool yeah so um, let's take forge in the dark a daring scoundrel with a pinch hand for devil's bargains by the way devil's bargains also a move you can take in this game um yes they're an they're an anchor they're an you anchor get a devil yeah it's fascinating but you gain the crime domain and a crime self. When you transform into a crime self, you take on the practical outfit of an outlaw or criminal along with the subtle but legitimate mark of your status as someone on the wrong side of the tracks. I, yeah. The Bins is a very interesting playbook. And I will also say they kind of like they really lean into you can become these people. You become Agent 47 in a sense. You get to. Yes. You, it, which is really interesting to me um yeah the playbook one thing i also do like about every playbook is when you look at them they immediately uh the first thing they do is after they tell you about the touchstones and what it looks like is they give you the content warning and themes yes which is fluid identity thrill seeking exploitative and transactional relationships manipulation deception and loss of self that is which is interesting because they don't differentiate between content warning and themes. They don't say these are the content warnings, these are the themes. Like, this is the character that it is yeah. in total. So if you want to explore these things, it has also these risks, mm-hmm. which I'm really interested in how they how they do this. Yeah. It, it, to me, that kind of caught my interest in that you if you pick this playbook, chances are these are the th- things you'll be touching upon. This is kind of what your character mm-hmm. will be about in the long run. It's also like, 
it, there are some other playbooks where like they do a similar thing and it's also something to be very aware of which we will talk about one thing i also yeah. really love is when you create your character you are asked to answer and do not answer the following yes oh that's so good it it's is, such an interesting thing it is the again the the uh make a map but leave blanks kind of play style play to find out yeah. what happens which is really interesting i think in your character creation we talked about how your friend um got uh downloaded into the internet and became a being if i remember correctly yes it, be- it became a uh specifically a creepy pasta mm-hmm. like basically was like it, it, like my pitch was like i had this whole like lead up how it like in like 2007 someone wrote a story called computer girl which was like a slender man type thing uh and it was like this really dumb story that i wrote in like two seconds it was like that's bad and that's mm-hmm. intentional the second one was like a video game about like the computer girl trying to escape the third was a bad movie in which she was like a prom queen who was killed and had to like seek vengeance and then was stopped but then wasn't and then i'm like i ended with like okay and in 2019 my character went into the unreal and lost my friend and was it was taken by the domain data and so she exists out there and he's trying to get her back and he's getting from this like old references because she's like doesn't exist her house isn't isn't occupied nobody knows her no photographs exist Mm -hmm. and he just basically is is determining from the media that that she's appeared in that she is trying to get out and media is trying to stop her and like that was my character and like with the questions i like i i i answered the question that i wasn't supposed to and switched it around mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah it's, it gets interesting it gets so fucking interesting um i do really love that like it's telling you the player as you make this character have like a general idea but don't get into the specifics don't give us your entire backstory yes. write your backstory with your gm as you explore the city mm-hmm. um the playbook also gives you questions to ask for gathering information that kind of fit with the playbook. You know, the bins has their yeah. own of how can I how can I best get into past or through while the expert could probably uh, a like what's my exit or something like that. To be clear, these uh, gather information questions aren't like you have to ask these only. It's yes. recommendations of like you might be stuck on what kind of question to ask. If you're playing this type of playbook, yeah. you want to know what's in style here. You want to know who would I benefit yeah. most from enchanting. Which yeah. for our character, our uh, player who was playing the bins was Kansas Gang. Yes, uh, good old Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then you get to choose one as your agenda, and it gives you three recommendations for that. I will also say in the uh, character creation portion of the book, it also says if you don't like any of the agenda giving to you. Talk to your GM, figure out what that would be. And mm. one thing I've noticed is it has to be something very mechanical. You gain an advantage through a new transformation. You dive deep into the unreal, heedless of the risk. You inspire transformation mm. something or someone stagnant. Yeah. Uh, um, I should also say uh, one thing I really do love about this game that it does highlight is, and it says this in the player principles, you are playing to, uh, you're like a group of people who have come together and you are invested in each other. You care about each other. In a sense, yeah. you were... Uh, let me pull up the player principles real quick, because we probably should approach that as we're talking about the game. Yeah. But 
and the player principles and this reflects in every playbook as well i think is the truth is out there cause problems on purpose my favorite make art make rent help others do the same which is huge to me use your anchors and play to find out what happens which is a staple in my opinion yeah yeah uh, I, I do want to bring up that uh, a really fun thing is it has uh, core abilities, which every class has, and it also has an inbuilt downtime activity mm-hmm. where you can do like a special thing that only your class can do, which is really fun because like there are playbooks in like Blades in the Dark where it's like some playbooks, like uh, in particular, I'm thinking of like the spider has things that you can do a lot of stuff during downtime, but during a mission, if you didn't pick that ability, you don't have it. Whereas mm-hmm. this one just kind of has both. And pull it like that's a really fun design choice, and I really like that. Yeah, I really love your automatically given a variety, like a good flavor palette of abilities right off the top. Mm. You know, um, I I know a lot of people kind. There are some people who stand against the playbook style and want to be a bit more freeform, where you get to pick your abilities. I think in this game, if you wanted to, you could talk to your GM and you could look at all the playbook core abilities and kind of mix and match maybe change out what domain they work in or what stress they work in and come up with your own playbook that reflects what you want to play in but it's interesting because this game does not in its current version it does not support Mm multi-classing so you can't like take abilities from different things as it currently exists as it currently it doesn't say anything about that it does say if i remember correctly you pay two xp for a minor ability you get a uh a minor ability. That's what I said. Not minor. Minor. That's me. That's you, my you get a little. You get a little minor. <laughs> you can. You can have some of my abilities if you like. <laughs> if you so choose. If you believe you are powerful enough. Yeah. But uh, it's two XP for a minor ability, if I remember correctly, and three XP for a yeah. major ability. And the major abilities yeah. are fucking fascinating, and mm-hmm. how strong they are. And you. You can kind of feel that. And also you pay, I think, 3 XP for the upgrade version of each of those too. So so this game has has minor abilities, which is like things that sort of change. Like it's it's kind of like flavor. So you can like improve a stat or like improve a stat and get the ability to hide in crowds. Major abilities are more transformative. Like with the, the bends, it gives the option to make a different version of you. So there's two of you out there. Or it gets the, gives you the ability to do like spells. Mm-hmm. And you can do upgrades on top of that where you spend one XP to change it so that like, oh, now there there is like you get a new anchor, which is another version of yourself which you can interact with. Or they can run around and cause trouble. Mm-hmm. And it, it also has uh, critical abilities, which they haven't filled out yet, which are basically like this is how your character ends their, their whole thing yeah. and like finishes up their storyline, um, which is really fun. I, yeah, I think... I think something that would be interesting is they should keep that blank. I think they should not tell you what the Zenith yes. ability is for any playbook. I think they should give you a general outline of what that playbook would be, what they're meant for, yeah. and then ask you, the player, to talk with your GM about, I want this character's story to end based on these facts. Yeah. How does this come about in the Unreal and the Real? I think that would be interesting yeah um like for instance my my favorite one uh for the prisoner class which is um is an interesting class i want to go back and like touch on like what each of these these books are because i feel like the big selling point of this game are like what are the different principles Mm -hmm. but like for the zenith abilities of the prisoner is the prisoner is condemned to remain locked away 
What the Zeniths propose is, what if they weren't? Which is a Wes Anderson joke. And I was just like, that's really funny. And it's just like, it touches on like, what is like, what happens to this character, whether it changes, goes in one direction, whether it goes in the other, rather than like, this is how they destroy themselves. Like, this is how this story finishes. Mm-hmm. I feel or like this is this. It might not even be like how this character destroys himself. It could just straight up be this character becomes an entirely different playbook. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, character playbooks, I do want to touch back. There is a note about multiclassing, and that is use your anchors. Have your anchors be the multiclasser, which is it kind of yeah. touches on it. They can imitate or replicate the abilities of playbook, uh, but it they just have not written rules as is as of now. Maybe they'll update it. Yeah, but they will. Yeah, 100%. I I like the I like the the anchors that exist. There's like one way you can just the just the domain like so you can have like oh I'm friends with the wild domain. And so you gain access to like that uh, that uh thing, so you get like more dice to roll, um, and then eventually you can if you're like good friends with them, if you like fill up a, a eight step clock, you like can summon that domain. Mm-hmm. And there's another one where you have a cool rival, or you have a, a bookkeeper, or you have the devil who gives you devil's bargains. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it is. It is. I wish I want to read so much, so many more, which is like. I, I, I want to see the, the Zenith abilities just because I want to read them. Like, even if I want to come up with them, I want to see what what, what um, yeah. Matthew and Brennan come up with. I, I think it's definitely worthwhile for them to uh, at least give some examples, but also encourage. It would be, to me, a great, uh, a great way to get people used to improvising if there is space to allow yes. the player and GM to be like, hey, let's come up with what your Zenith ability looks like together. This is your our space yeah. to do it in a very similar way. And how um, in mass, when you have your moment of truth, you get to do a thing of epic proportions. You have to unlock that moment of truth, similar to how you have to unlock mm. the zenith ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as I said, um, with this book, the the big way of sort of selling it is is the playbooks. Uh, because like I read through these and I was like, I have to make a Twitter thread about this. I have to like talk about these because they're so broad and so interesting with like what they can be. Uh, the one that immediately I think grabbed us both is the keeper, which is a combination Scooby-Doo and, uh, and Shaggy and also Venom and Eddie Brock. And like thinking about that, how that exists as a character and what is going on with that is very fun. It's also it's it's also kind of the Pokemon class, mm-hmm. and just being like just handing someone a playbook and say here's a class where you can play as Eddie Brock and Venom, or you can play as Scooby Doo in this, or you can play like a Pokemon, and just like what you can do with that. Mm-hmm. And there's there's things like the Reaper, which is like okay on t- on on paper it's just like the Grim Reaper doing these things, but like. Like I said, the moves are so much fun because there's one where you like you gain the capital domain and you get like get like a resource whenever you use it. But like I read that and I was like, oh, you can play as John Wick. That's what this character mm-hmm. is. And like the Benz, as we said, has 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 moves from all these different playbooks. Um, it's very flexible with what it can be, and it also has like D and D spells, um, mirror image, and uh, dancing lights was the other yeah. one. Yeah, and it's. 
like uh, we mentioned we mentioned uh friends of the table last uh uh last episode like the end of sung fiel and like there are so many echoes if you're a fan of, of friends of the table and like like various seasons in particular uh um uh counterweight which is their uh their, their dystopian um, sci-fi mech like their season two but dystopian sci-fi mecha based anime yeah cyberpunk like the i feel like the structure of this game is very much based on uh the sprawl the the system they primarily used in that season and like there's like references like the the character splitting into two is a thing that happened in that series and there's so many Mm -hmm. and i'm like i i really enjoy it i really like to see how it is sort of like taking a lot of like all these classes feel like majority of these classes feel very real and like different um, I also really want to point out the Bens can turn into a transformer. They can just turn into a car, I believe. Oh my god! And it's just like transcending what you can do as as a being. Um, the one exception to this, which I talked about in my Twitter thread, is the Vamp, which is a vampire. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel weird about it because, like, I I, I talked about uh, with with Matthew um on my twitter thread being like this it could be so much more like all these other things are like it felt very like pandemic types in particular like there's a a playbook called the prisoner in which you are basically stuck at home and you can't leave and it feels like it's a clear like reference to like being disabled and unable to leave your home but you can sort of escape (laughs) through the unreal and just to like being on the internet and like having a connection that you wouldn't normally and like other games like have all these like interesting things like Ben's is clearly about like like you know uh, uh mixes of identity yeah yeah changing or, identity and like working different in- environments and thinking about that sort of thing or um, like even d- just touching different aspects of yourself kind of how like yeah. the fool in the persona series is someone who can constantly like re- who is able to reach further and further because they are able to uh bend on like lean on those relationships with others and ex- get to a better sense of mind because they have a circle of influence around them that encourages them to get better yeah and it's it's also like it's it's what i was saying earlier about like the complexity of a person um which i want to get back to as well we're probably going along but the the complexity of of the bends is that they have multiple people almost inside of one person or they have like different personas and this sort of uh interesting way of approaching a character um but then there's the vamp which is it's a vampire mm-hmm. like you can you can drink blood you have or you don't have to drink blood it's very vague about this you have a vice or something that you're trying to get um, one of the, I think that one of the core abilities is uh, indulge vice, which is a blades in the dark move, which implies um, that all all characters in uh, blades in the dark are vampires, which is very funny. Um, but it's also a game that touches on things like like the content warnings is manipulation, issues around consent, lack of consent, abuse, dependency, addiction, mind control, disability, ostracization, cannibalism, understood broadly, and concealing parts of aspects of oneself. And I said before that this game draws heavily on, it feels like to me, I'm seeing like a lot of reflections uh, from uh, uh, Urban Shadows. And like this playbook is the most Urban Shadows kind of book there is. 
and uh my one of my comments in in the twitter thread was like i wish there was one that sort of dealt with different issues to this because like like it's cool to have this and it's cool to like have a story where you can like talk about these kind of issues and like explore them in like a safe environment but i'm also just like this is written during a pandemic and i'm like really curious to see what this is like one of the things when the pandemic happened was i was i i was just like this is like we're gonna have a, a, a vampires are gonna pop up again because it's just like how do you feel about this sort of thing because you know it's a sickness traveling around you're walking around and how you interact with other people could put them in some kind of danger and i was curious to see like a playbook like this they don't have to write that playbook but i wish it was more than just a vampire which it is it's it's a really fun playbook it's a really good uh it's a really good vampire i think it'd be a lot of fun to play um it particularly one of the one of the moves that it comes out is is literally a strand type ability it's like it's a strand game because it has a death stranding reference which i thought was mm-hmm. very funny um but yeah uh i also i also said in the in the chat that the strangest thing you could do is throw a vampire into this game like that's very unreal and just having like throw a dracula in and i was very mm-hmm. tempted to play like the game that we did the one shot as dracula and just be like well, how do we justify this? Um, but I didn't because I didn't want to deal with issues of consent and so forth. Yeah, the the idea of like throwing a vampire in is definitely one where it's just like it it would change up a lot of the tone of the game very quickly. And I'm yes. not just talking about like, you know, oh, you know, guess what? We have a chaotic neutral rogue now. He's gonna go steal everyone's coin purse. Yeah. It it's it would throw out a tone of like there is someone who legitimately uh gets into who like actively not just manipulates but also controls people and that's i have seen people play vampire the masquerade games there is a lot of discussions that happen before each game and it is very guided uh i can also see where this could go horribly wrong and yes. that if someone if it's a pickup game and someone says, oh, yeah, I'm going to play the vamp and people at the table and then they do something uh, trying to play into it or just not being able to enjoy the playbook entirely either because yeah. uh, of concerns as well. I'm with you on like I kind of wish this was written a little bit differently uh, just yeah. based on the tone. It is like, again, it puts the content warnings up, up top so you know what you're getting into. And I appreciate that. But it's also mm-hmm. just like. I don't know. I wish there was a different vampire. I don't have any, like, complaints about, like, the way they approach it. They have, like, safety tools and this sort of thing. You should be aware of this. Um, I think Urban Shadow specifically has a a warning about playing the vampire. Um, But it's worth sort of going through it. And Mm -hmm. there are a handful of, like, other playbooks that have, like, strange things that probably be worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. One of the playbooks that sort of, like, sticks out in that way is the Velveteen, which is kind of like the uh it's like a strange otherworldly entity that comes into goes from like fathom x or something to become mm-hmm. to come to fathom one to like learn what it is to be normal and human all this sort of thing and there's one special move that kind of like reshaped that how i felt about that book because i was initially like oh this is cool it like references uh kevin parcel from 30 rock i think is one of the things mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's cool. I like that they have this like strange otherworldly character. And it seems to be touching on like, this is like a person 
from like a different place. Mm-hmm. And one of the special abilities is code switching, which is an odd little thing to throw in. Now, code switching is where you like pretend to be something else. Like you pretend to be like act in a certain way to be more accepted yeah. by the dominant culture and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like the 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 core move is like you can roll a d12 instead of a d10 to get extra results. You have a higher chance of succeeding, and uh, you refresh you you like heal stress by doing this by showing a part of yourself. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. But there's also things where if you change yourself, you will do ner- nerve stress to people around you by doing that. And that's really weird because, like, if you code switch and you deal harm to people, that's, like, it's a weird message to send. It sort of touches on, like, Lovecraftian unknowableness, but it's also the idea of just, like, showing your true self can cause people harm. And it's, like, yeah, I believe it's everybody? Like, let me uh, check it out. If you, you do... Uh, uh, on an t- 11, in addition to any of the effects of a 10, you will you do D6 nerve stress uh, to everyone who can see you as you grow too comfortable and let slip your true form. Which I'm like, mm. this this is, again, a work in progress and this should probably, like, shift up or, like, they should try and, like, focus on what this ability is. Because um, it's weird. It's a weird one. I will say, I think they probably kind of got the idea for this ability from the... Uh, which playbook and heart yes. where you can like show your true self but you cause stress to everyone who witnessed your true form we get like the hunt and kill domain uh skills as well too so yeah but so yeah. it's it's like that one because it was really annoying because like i'm reading this playbook and i really liked it and i read this ability i'm like oh this is what this is and it's not handled as good as it could be mm-hmm. um but yeah it is it is a, th- a thing that you should probably read through before you like pick each and every one of these playbooks because it could be like things that kind of get you uh let's talk a little bit about the group of people who played with us so yeah uh marley you've played heart at, like sparked by the resistance game before mm. right and forge in the dark games before yes i have yeah i've played heart once and plenty of forge in the dark uh and the other the other two players we had in the group uh one they said they had played forge like blades in the dark they are actually on the show with me uh, over at fire in the dark for huntsman's hydra and they have read through spire trying to prepare for a game and that fell through but they understood a little bit of it uh they really liked a lot of the aspects of the game they thought the touchstones all made sense they just Mm. also really wanted cheat sheet to help out with character creation and help out kind of guide moves a little bit more because we definitely had to break down like okay, you get an action roll for doing this, you get this, and then you take away this because you're here or because of this effect. Hmm. Um, you also mentioned and- uh, when we were talking about this before the recording that like you found this, or like the, the response to this was that this is an easier game than like Blades in the Dark or Heart. In what way? I- because like I approached this by reading the entire book, so that was not easy for me. But like, what was the, what was the thing for you? Like, how does this feel compared to that? I I am not constantly juggling clocks the entire time, I would say. Yeah. I am I have a scenario, I know what's going to happen, I know how to make things worse. I think that made it easier for me in my head. Yeah. Where um and I could easily come up with consequences. They do a in this book they do a great job of saying you can progress the fiction and it in this way, you can drop them at a level of fathom, you can block off one of their uh one of their protections or stress you can say they can't use a domain anymore or break something that they have 
it does a yes. great job of showing that. That to me made it really easy in my head to think about all the possible consequences I could run. It made it very easy to think about what the job looks like based off what crew book everyone picked up. Yeah, uh, which I mentioned before. It it's um, it's, it's also worth sort of mentioning that um, like uh, with with uh, resi- resistance games, what usually happens is uh, you take stress in various aspects. And then when it gets to a certain point, well, when you take stress, you roll. And if you roll below the number of stress you get, you get like a bit of fallout. And mm-hmm. usually that is written out. That is like, oh, you um, you hurt your hand. And so it's harder. It's like impossible to do manual, like, like find de- dexterous movement with your fingers. And like to do anything with your hands makes it more difficult to do. Whereas mm-hmm. this one is much more broad. It's just like, here's some consequences you can throw at them, and here's the things you can do. Yeah, And I, that I love. I, for sure. I was going to say, one thing I do like about this a little bit more, and if you listen to the postmortem for Song Fiel, you heard Austin talk about this. I don't think there... I think if you do go back to repeating the same consequences for something, you can easily justify it in different yeah. ways, and you can modify it bit by bit. Instead yes. of it being all uh, uh, weird, you know, blocking off the weird protection, it's actually all debt. You are currently broke at the moment until you go make good with your creditor. Something yeah. like that. Uh, I think it does that really well. The GM principles are fantastic, in my opinion, uh, and gave me good, like a good level of guidance to help guide me in how to play this game. Uh, yeah. Let me find those real quick so I can kind of read them out. But... Yeah. Um, uh, GM principles were great. I'm very excited for when we get to downtime activity because I really want to find out uh, how I, that goes. We haven't had a fallout yet, and we I'm kind of curious what that's yet. like. It's like one of those things. Like when I when I did Spy, it was a similar thing where it was like it started off very slow and it was very easy, and people were building up stress one by one. But like we haven't actually encountered what it's like to have fallout. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another consequence i can put on people too is whenever you do or do not do x you take then y takes z stress like you give you add a stressor to a you add a level of stress as long as they are not doing if they don't do something you know um you know kind of to me adding that like idea of blades and dark where you're turning a risky situation into a desperate situation um And then we go into the GM principles, which made the game a little bit easier for me because I didn't have to worry about a big reveal. I solve small mysteries. I keep the big mysteries. I make the city big, but the consequence is personal. It's another good GM principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Get to play with ambiguity between coincidence and conspiracy. You make power frightening and weird, even the player's power. Uh, And put the characters in danger, but keep the players safe and be a fan of the players. Yeah. those last two are very important to me, especially because this is a horror game at its base. It, it's, it, you're going to get weird shit. It's adjacent to horror. That's one of the things in the in the playbook. It specifically says this neighbor's horror, so it's not specifically meant to be like a horror game, but it can get to there. It is mm-hmm. like one of the things you should be constantly aware of when you're doing this. Yes. Is that, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh Real quick touch up on monsters. I think monsters were a, a the monster book at the very end of the book is really good. It gives me a good baseline for custom yes. creating. Uh, I got to basically tell our expert in the party of, hey, you know what kind of person this is. This is this. This is what domain they belong 
belong in the kind of job that they do is they keep track mm. of the city. They help people out. This is why you know this one because you both experience the same weird shit from time to time. Yeah. Like, uh, granted, technically they're not supposed to know about the Unreal, but I broke bend the rules a little bit and be like, no, this person yeah. knows because they – when you work as a janitor, you get to see weird things often. Yeah. And it's like, I think you specifically said before, and I think the rules even say that, like, when you need to come with a mystery, just pick one or two monsters and sort of let that guide the play. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really cool. I do like that. Like like I said before, like, Blaze in the Ducks is a similar thing with Rivals, where it's just, like, a lot of the time we need something fun to happen. You throw in, like, an enemy. You throw in a rival. You throw in a monster. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. My, my own complaints about them are, again, me being, like approaching this from like a meta level because like a lot of the time uh, many of the monsters are things like abstract concepts there's like a mosquito i think which like sucks the life out of community which is meant to rep uh, represent like um gentrification or something I, I can't quite remember it off the top of my head uh but there are also others like the fellows which are mm-hmm. just like they they're described as like your your everyday people who walk around sort of helping out and like doing like fun little things. They uh when you go up like a bunch of fathoms, they change from being like regular people you see in the street to being a representation of their job. Like they become you know, they become like an ambulance with a smiley face, like driving around. Which is a fun idea, but then I'm also like think about like the idea of complexity and about like these are just like turning workers into being just their work and Mm -hmm. if if these things are people then they are very simplified and it's the idea of looking at a person and like looking down a bunch of different fathoms like oh this is all they are and like my question was like can you be multiple things like you can be i think there's like a quack or something which is just like you're a person who spouts like conspiracy theories and like dumb ideas and stuff like that and like or like my question is salesman snake oil salesman that kind of thing and so so is it do you can you only be this one thing and is uh, it like are people that simplified and so is this a, 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 a thinking about like is this a representation of how your character feels about this kind of person or is it saying that sometimes people are just one thing and they are not complex and if it's that way then i'm just like this sucks because this could very easily lean into like stereotypes and shit like that that i'm like absolutely not into and so like my own thinking is it should be it should just be cool demons and people because you have things like the bends and i'm just like i don't know that's my thoughts yeah i i'm with you on that i'm like my interpretation of this is like there's the monster manual at the back but Mm. you can shift and like play with it um i I think I tried kind of tried showing that because when we were playing with our game, I had you look at what would be a monument and then I made it look like a Hydra, kind of all these community things and shifted. Mm. And and because the the community is not just the, pe- uh, the people there, but the things that happen around the community as well, too. Yes. And that's a variety of things. That is things in the crime domain. That's the things in the data com- domain. Uh, yeah. Sometimes weird shit happens and you have aliens there. But... Yeah, I can definitely see where I wish I had a note in like the monster or GM section where it is um it would take actually yeah, here we go. 
there are many more unreal beings in the death, some even implied by these entries. I kind of wish that also added that, like, sometimes these entries are inaccurate. Sometimes these are not just what they are either. Hmm. Uh, I wish I had that in the monster entry where it encouraged GMs to say, that fellow is now a shade, is now a uh, seller, is now this or you can abstract that more and what even is a fellow and what's written in this book is not accurate period yeah and uh, it's it's, it's, a, it's it's yeah sorry you continue yeah it talks a little bit about how like the monsters in here are metaphorical or allegorical it talks a little bit about how uh the and yeah let's see there's a framing of the below text below list as a text in the fiction of the game, but that's just to highlight the importance of subjectivity and perspective. So basically this being written by a person, it could be completely wrong. And this is just the biased opinion of someone who is writing this mm. almost by themselves. Because they're the only drifter who could see this and think about it. Yeah. So one of the approaches I could think with this is it could be like a, you know, the, the, the old story about how like a person could become both a zombie and a ghost at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so they can split off into different things, which would be a really fun story, I would think. Um, yeah. But it's also like worth going back to like the mechanical baseline of this game is that like certain things are mechanically true and like would require a hack to change them. And mm-hmm. so it, while it is worth considering that like this is the story is written such that um such that the 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 narrative the core narrative that is told about fathoms and stuff is not real it is still mechanically true in that we have to like sort of respond to that whenever it sort of comes up mm-hmm. um yeah and so that's that's my basically my my final thoughts on monsters yeah that was basically a book report on fathom um <laughs> yeah. that was kind of our initial thoughts uh a little bit of how our playtest went. Uh, yes. A lot of discussion about how we feel about the game in general. Um, Summation yeah. of a Twitter thread. and that's sort Summation of, of a Twitter thread, which you should go check out at, over yeah. at Minar <laughs> underscore Lenahan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and yeah, it's sort of, it'll be sort of interesting to like see how we feel like after we play the game. But I we probably won't go in as, as in depth the next time. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we have a lot of <laughs> thoughts having played it. Um, yeah. Well... There's definitely going to be a follow-up, and I'm going to also have some feedback from the other players as well that I'll talk about yes. on here. And also, uh, we'll forward it to the game devs as well, just to kind of touch yeah. on. But overall, I think this is this is a really interesting book, and I think it's worth reading out, despite my, my complaints about it. Because, again, it's a work in progress. I'm so keen to see where it goes. I'm so keen to see like new playbooks turning up and like see how this thing develops because it is a really interesting product that takes in a lot of fun uh like existing games in the system and sort of takes it to the next step mm-hmm. um particularly how it like tries to tidy up like like fallout and this kind of thing that was in uh heart and i'm so curious about this project i think it's absolutely worth reading and checking out um, for sure and yeah i i yeah no definitely give it a read you know be critical about it. It's in yeah. development and like there are definitely kinks that need to be worked out. Um, yeah. Yeah, nothing's ever perfect on the first draft and nothing but no. should be perfect by the fifth draft either. Yeah, this is this is not a first draft. I'm reading through this. I'm like, this is pretty solid. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, it still needs yeah. work. Um, it, 
I do think it is a good introduction to the sparked by resistance genre. I think this yes. is like instead of going with Spire or Heart, if I came like I actually gave, showed this to my uh, DM that I play IRL with, and he read it and went, "Oh, this looks really interesting. We should try mm. this sometime." And I went, "Fuck yeah, yeah! I will happily run this one because I bet we can come up with some really interesting stuff." And the tone will be very different compared to this game. I might even go a bit more Twin Peaks with it, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it's it. You can be taken in so many different directions, which I love yeah. about it. Um. Yeah. Um. Marley, are you up to anything this week? Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, uh, I do want to quickly shout out that I am doing. Um, I haven't been streaming for a while. I've sort of come back to it. Uh, because I randomly messaged my friend. I was just like. Do you want to continue the let's play we did before? We like did a complete let's play of uh, the first Dishonored game uh, in which we like sat down and while playing it, tried to break it down and like our thoughts about it and about the themes it sort of touched on. And I'm doing that with uh, the DLC, the first DLC of Dishonored, which is the Knife of Dunwall. And that's really cool. We, We played the first mission, which is about a factory union revolt and um it's really interesting it's really interesting to see a 2013 game about a union thing um and yes so check that out on my twitch channel you can find the information on my twitter and your twitter is minor underscore lenahan on twitter which is going to be in the description i've already written it (laughs) so it's good uh mm-hmm. and yeah uh, uh besides that i also did a submission to the brindlewood bay writing competition um and currently jason cordova is going through and reviewing um all the things there uh if you go to his twitter um quickly find his twitter name uh he is he is currently going through and reviewing all the i think it was like 60 submissions or something or like 30 oh submissions and it's going through like all the different submissions and like what uh what he thought about them uh and so go check that one out and it's yeah they have a whole uh, google drive of all these things uh, i wrote two i wrote one called ghost drinks which is about uh it's like the shining set on a tropical island where like grandmas go to like stop the weird stuff going on but they can also meet with like their um you know old loved ones who are now ghosts and like it's a sad little ghost story and i also wrote another one called uh the maven stop a presidential assassination uh in which they hear that that a presidential uh, candidate is going to be uh, assassinated ahead of time and so they have to go in and try and stop it from happening and it's very fun because like the the little bits of clues will like shape the mystery and like do weird things. And they also have like a bunch of Terminator references and fun stuff like that. And, um, it was a lot of fun to write. I wrote it very quickly and, uh, yeah, go check out that, uh, check out the other ones. I haven't done that yet. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun little competition. I, I need to check that out then. Um, yes. Brentwood Bay is a very fun game. I have yet to play it. Me too, actually. <laughs> but I have read the rules, so that counts. Love to design a game I have yet to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you? What are you up to? Yeah, up on my end, uh, we are coming up to, at this point in time, uh, I think we're about two, three sessions away from season finales for both shows I'm in over at Huntsman's Hydra. That's twitch.tv slash Huntsman's Hydra. 
Um, and that's for Denari's Half Dozen, a Sword of the Serpentine module that I play a sorcerer who, last time I played, I got electrocuted by lightning because I cool. happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was great. Mm-hmm. And, typical lightning uh, story. Typical lightning story, you know, but hey, I might have a lightning dom- domain in my sorcery now, so I'm okay with that. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love stumble stumbling my way into new magic. It's because we leveled up and got enough advancement because it's a gumshoe system. Um, yeah. And then... In Fire in the Dark, uh, I got a intervention from my crew and was able to <laughs> heal a quirk, which is what we're calling trauma on this because it's a bit lighter. And I want, like, very beginning session zero of the show, I said, "Hey, I think we should rework what trauma is for the home for this game that we're doing to allow yeah. us to be able to heal that." I am the one who has taken the most, and I will keep taking the most because fuck y'all. Yeah, the fool say. They took away one, putting me back down to two, only to realize I will regain it again in the next session. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, that's life. But yeah, uh, we're coming up on that. I, I'm i going to be honest. I don't know what's going to happen to my character by the end of the season. Yeah. I am very excited to either get them blown up in a majestic way <laughs> or for them to survive and be ousted from the crew in a depressing way or be the yeah. hero that they need and somehow make it to season two. Either way, I want to yeah. introduce my new character soon. Yes. I'm extremely excited for that. That's going to be really cool. And uh, also, at the point this point in time, there is currently a itch.io bundle made by Caro Assertion, a.k.a. C-Excursion, mm-hmm. uh, who is asking for people who are interested to donate to the indie bundle for abortion funds. There is a call for submissions. There's over 100 submissions currently as of uh, June 25th, 2022. I believe by the time this episode comes out, that will still be available on itch.io. Uh, I, I'm not sure go... if it's been released yet. It's not been released yet, but I, I bet you by the time it. this episode's out, yeah. it will be. Yes. Uh, please go check it out. There are a ton of really cool, amazing games to uh, mm. support, and it all goes to a great cause. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, just to kind of go into that. There's been, uh, Minar, I don't know if you know about this, but there's been a lot of heavy stuff happening in the States recently with the overturn of Roe v. Wade and uh, a whole bunch of other things, which has highlighted to me and a lot of people in the community that, like, voting still does matter, yes, but more importantly than ever, it's more important to work locally, find those resources locally, support support your friends who have a uterus, who uh, need that support, who don't want to give yeah. birth and don't have the resource to do that safely anymore yeah. and to take care of each other because we're all we've got yeah and yeah keep fighting the good fight yeah this is my post podcast political stance um fuck the police yeah and uh but yeah we it it's more important now than ever to check what your resources are locally to get connected and to build up your community and build that stronger and keep fighting because the fucked up and weird thing is that people think that just because you vote a certain politician in, it's over and it never is. Or a certain law yeah. gets passed and it's over and it never is because what this has no. proven is that can be repealed at any time. Yeah. Fights happen every fucking generation and it will continue to bloody happen. Mm-hmm. And like... Keep an eye out if you're not in America because it's still going to happen around you because this this mm. thing is not 
limited to one specific nation. You can't just point to mm-hmm. America and just be like, hey, you're fucked up. It's happening all the time. We have absolutely dreadful stuff happening in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to stay vigilant. You have to keep out from this, this kind of thing. So support this bundle. Um, look at look into various charities and this sort of thing. Um, and yeah, take take some time off to yourself if you need it. That's also very good to do. Because I've been allowed. on Twitter a bunch and it's rough. Uh, and it's it's sort of hard to see. Um, but it's important to be radicalized by it and not be sort of caught up entirely in despair. Take mm-hmm. some time, but also get out there and do something. It's pretty good if you can. Yeah. You are allowed to grieve in this time. Um, I should also mention the Indie Bundle for Abortion Funds is going towards the National Network for Abortion Funds, specifically the Collective Power Fund. Yes. If you want to check out more information, please go check out at Sea Excursion. The yeah. uh, link will be in the show notes. Um, yeah. yeah. On a very My... somber note from a lot of excitement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll be able to find, I think I like shouted out a weird goblin game that I did. That's on there. Um, yeah, but there's going to be a lot of really good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I really like whenever these bundles come out and it's it's good supporting these things and getting access to a bunch of really cool games as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Um, and with that, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the show. Uh, this was Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions for us or for a future episode, please feel free to email us at insidethetable at gmail.com. Again, that email is insidethetable at gmail.com. Uh, my name is Cole, aka Ice Cole Brew. My pronouns were he, they, they, them, were, I say. And I was joined by my wonderful co-host of the evening. <laughs> Just the evening. Uh, Just the evening. I'm, I'm Molly. <laughs> you can follow me at minor underscore Lenahan on Twitter and uh my pronouns are he him and continue to be yeah uh, hopefully <laughs> uh, i can change it you're in the unreal <laughs> i have stolen your pronouns from you i have turned them abstract <laughs> uh, this podcast is at inside the table you can follow us on twitter at inside the table uh you can review us on apple podcasts and other places you find this podcast thank you so much for joining us you'll have a wonderful day take care goodbye Bye. Bye. And okay, now let's do a clap. Yep, let's do a let's do nice a clap. clap. Uh, right. I don't have time. That is there. It is. Yep. Uh, twenty. Twenty. Okay, you have to go, but I do want to leave a little bit of an Easter egg for your listeners. This is, in mm-hmm. fact, the second time we've recorded this, and we got up to the bit with Fathom, and we talked through it. So see if you notice how comfortable we are, <laughs> because mm-hmm. we were basically just like, okay, what did we talk about like half an hour ago? How did we go with this? Mm-hmm. And I thought we did pretty good. <laughs> I think so, too, honestly. Um, also, if you are a starting podcaster... Record a backup. Make sure you have a yeah. backup. I didn't do it. That wasn't me. I have like a Streamlabs thing going most of the time, but I didn't this time. So PSA, use a backup. Use a backup. But also, it's just like, <laughs> I'm annoyed because I fucking 
had everything and I was like, this is fine, everything's okay, and yeah. then fucking power snaps out. Yeah. Like, you can hear the thunder in the recording. There's like lightning happening, and I'm just like, I couldn't hear a damn thing. That's yeah. God. So that's a that's a little 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 inside behind the curtains thing for you, dear listener. A little uh, tweet just for you. A little it's not a tweet, oh whatever. Um and yeah. Thank, thank mm-hmm. hello. Happy, hello. Ha- happy birthday, if it's your birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh somebody yeah. loves you, always remember. Yes. Everybody loves you. Everybody loves you. Fucking play Um, Norco. I shit you not. If if you are still listening to the podcast at the end of this, play Norco. Yeah, genuinely. And Disco Elysium and Kentucky Route Zero and... You know what? Let's throw in Hardspace Shipbreaker in there while we're at it. Hardspace Shipbreaker. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Slay the Spire. Please play Slay the Spire. Yes. I... I don't know. I've been playing The Sinking City. I don't know um, if I can recommend that fully because there was like a legal battle about that. And it's also a Lovecraft game. I found it mm-hmm. kind of interesting. I feel like it's a new Silent Hill type game. If you like a Silent Hill that's kind of a cool detective thing, check that out. But it's also mm-hmm. Lovecraft. So if you want to give it a miss, that's good. Don't get it on Steam. The uh, Frogwares have a legal battle concerning who owns it. Oh, um, dear. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a, it's a really fun story. Check out that Frogwares video about like how it got stolen. It's a fun little news report for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, go play stew pot. Get some friends together. Go play stew pot. Yeah, have a stew pot. Have, have a stew pot. Make some stew. Yeah. Support your indie de- indie dev. Support your indie musicians. Uh, protect yeah. trans women. Protect uh black men, black women, black trans women, black trans men. Kids. Yeah. Protect kids for the love of God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else can we throw into the end here? Um. Should I just call in Holly and have her just start speaking Latin and then we can just reverse it? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's really a bad thing. Uh, it'd be very funny to have just a backwards Latin for like a future recording though. So yeah, yeah check that out. <laughs> yeah. uh, go play Bloodborne PSX by Lily. Lily yeah. is a wonderful designer, please. My God, please we were doing so well. Like we have like th- over 35 references in our first recording and I like it went through and like mapped each of them. Uh, we're doing I'll, that for the last five minutes. <laughs> um, I, I got nothing else. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for staying for the extra end credit secret thing. We're like Marvel and, now. Yeah. Fuck. We just always have an end credit sequence. Oh my god. It's, I'm doing it because of Jenny Nicholson. Jenny Nicholson does it on YouTube, and it's very cool. I, I like. Yeah. It. No. I I keep thinking about Waypoint Radio where they do it at the end. Yes. Also that. I also saw yeah. that. Um, yeah, see you later. Bye. Bye.